Welcome to another edition of the Superflight NBA Show, your I Weiwei of NBA shows, because you shouldn't be jailed for your thoughts. That's all I'm saying. What's up, everybody? Today is Sunday, May 21st, um, and it's a beautiful day in New York, and I'm your host, Joe Borelli, coming at you from a studio in Brooklyn. You can get in touch with the show in a number of ways. You can follow along on Dash Satellite Radio uh, every Tuesday at 3 p.m. Pacific or 6 p.m. Eastern. I believe that's how it works. Uh, it's hard to go backwards in time for me. I don't or forward. I, I don't know. I've only ever lived on the East Coast. This is weird for me. Anyway, you can follow the show on Twitter at Superflight Pod. You can follow me personally at Joe Borelli. You can email the show at the Superflight Podcast at gmail.com. You can follow along at the Almighty Baller Radio Network. You can Google the show and find it that way. Wait, does that make any sense? You can listen on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, uh, and let's see. If you listen, rate, and review, and then, uh, yeah, it'll help other people find the show. Anyway, so I recorded the show Friday night with Damon Rangulo because that's the only time he had free and that's the only time I had free. And we really wanted to talk about the NBA draft lottery and the implications of the all NBA teams. So we did that. And we're not talking much about the playoffs because, well, you know, the East and West finals are just kind of lame. I mean, it's a foregone conclusion that uh, the Cavs and the Warriors are going to meet in the finals. So let's just speed up, as everyone's saying. Let's fast forward to that. I don't really feel like talking about anything else. Except maybe the whole net neutrality thing that the our wonderful government, because of our dumbass president, is trying to take away again. Or they're trying to take away the, yeah, net neutrality. They're trying to put restrictions on our internet streaming. They're trying to slow down our speeds and make us pay for faster speeds. Which means that podcasts like this one, who don't make any money on their podcasts, are just doing it because they like to talk, um... And like to connect with people, it means that you will not have this podcast anymore because I cannot afford to do this on my own. Uh, it means that the wonderful golden age of television that we're in right now with awesome streaming from Netflix and from HBO and all the shows we enjoy, you won't be able to get them because you'll have to pay an exorbitant amount of money. It puts the the power back in the hands of the cable companies and it's going to screw all of us. We're going to have less. Essentially, what it does is is limits our freedom of speech. It limits the ability we have to put things out there like this and to connect with other people via internet, um, and have our opinions heard and and have dialogues that are intelligent. Unless we're being backed by somebody, unless we're having money pour in, uh, and it's basically just going to be the way of this. Also, by the way, limits limits bands that you might like that really a lot of people don't know about because they can afford to put their stuff on places like SoundCloud uh, for free almost not free but if they get away if they reduce net neutrality if they take away net neutrality you're not going to have any of that stuff anymore so we all need to pay attention and we need to stand up and fight for our rights it shouldn't be a money-making thing these these MFers should not be able to restrict our ability to find information on the internet or listen to music or watch movies or watch tv or do whatever we want they don't realize that like keeping the masses happy it will keep them from being thrown out of their their seats it will keep us from revolting which ultimately will happen if you keep like voting stupid people like trump and all anyway this, i'm getting way ahead of myself this all becomes a big giant thing in my head anyway um net neutrality it's a big issue it's a it's a really important issue um if you guys want the podcast that you love to stay around. I mean, yeah, the internet is saturated with bands that nobody will ever hear and with podcasts that nobody will ever hear. And with really, I don't even know how they're making some of these movies right now. They're so freaking awful, but there's a lot of stuff out there that's not for you and it's not high quality, but that, you know, but there are stuff, there is a lot of stuff out there that's really good and you'll never be able to hear it. If, if your internet is taken away, if you have to pay like a hundred dollars a month to afford just basic Remember the days of basic cable when basic cable cost you like 85 to a hundred dollars a month just so you could watch like ABC and CBS and, and I don't even think ESPN was included in that, but you know, I mean, I probably should have somebody on here that knows about these things more than I do. Somebody way more intelligent and versed in, in net neutrality. I don't know why I'm talking about it. I'm just saying that like guys and gals stay vigilant. We need to get involved in our local politics and we need to 
I don't know, keep the playing field even, keep the wealthy from owning everything and making it uh, and keep, you know, alert and stay alert and stay involved and uh, make sure that this land is for everyone, not just the wealthy and not just people who think that they uh, know everything and not just the religious groups who would seek to keep women's bodies under control and who would seek to keep us all in church and keep us, you know, uh, under their thumb by way of religion. Sorry, guys, I didn't mean to go off on this tangent, but um, anyway, I'm going to stop. Listen, uh, y- you know, my good friend Damon Rangola is coming up and we're going to talk about the things I mentioned. And then right after these messages, we'll be right back. Hey guys, I'm Byron James. And I'm Michael Keith, and we are the Fuzz NBA Podcast. That's right, we come from the land down under. Here in Sydney, Australia, we might be 942 miles away from any actual NBA action or a violent 22-hour ride with United Airlines, but we can assure you we spend more time watching the game, talking about the game, and analyzing box scores than we do our own wives' box scores. Plus, one time Byron shared an ice cream with Joe Ingalls. It was actually boysenberry in a tub. It was delicious. Anyway, we hope you can join us. We're the Fuzz NBA Podcast. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and anywhere you listen to your podcasts. Or find us at www.thefuzznba.com. Anyway, back to the show. Yeah, so welcome to the show, my friend. Um, how's things? How's your... Uh... How's your emotions these days? <laughs> uh, I am I am uh, thrilled. Uh, the NBA uh, is making me happy. Uh, <laughs> definitely, you know the the Lakers keeping the pick was a big source of um, anxiety. Well, just because it, I mean, it was a big deal. Um, obviously, it's not like the it was going to be the end of the world. But in terms of you want your team to grow organically, sequentially, you don't really want any stoppage in that. And them losing the pick would be uh, catastrophic. Yeah, it would. Yeah, ca- catastrophic. See, catastrophic is, is is rough because you still have one more year of development for everybody on the team. Uh, you still have cap space. You still have options, and you. It's not like you know. It, it it it's not the end of the world. You can't put too much into it because you still don't know if draft picks pan out. You don't know if draft right, draft picks right. stay healthy. It's but, all that stuff, right? Yeah. But, but yes, listen, obviously... we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's, this we'll just use this as a precursor. We're going to end up talking about this tonight. <laughs> but before we get to that, my friend, why don't you tell everybody how they can get a hold of you and, and read your stuff and follow you on Twitter? Uh, best thing, yeah. Best thing is just to follow me on Twitter at Daman R D A M A N R. Uh, I, I write very, very sparingly, almost none uh, at this point, uh, just unfortunately time-bound, time uh, but I tweet plenty, so just follow me on Twitter. Great follow on Twitter. Great, great follow. You're one I of the funniest that. people on Twitter that I know. I appreciate that, man. <laughs> also, when the Lakers keep their pick, you're a little bit annoying, but I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. I have to play my role. <laughs> yes, you do, you, and you do it well. No, I was... It's fine. <laughs> I took it in stride. Although, listen, I'm a Sixers fan, so I was I was a little bit I wasn't mad at you. I didn't really care if they. All right, I'm. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. In the meantime, let's let's talk about some uh, the NBA All NBA teams. How's that? The All NBA teams. Yes. I want to. I need to pull this up quick because I rushed to do this right now tonight, and I uh, I didn't have time to get anything together because you know just got done eating dinner with my wife and. Anyway, no speak a little bit. So I fill some space here, and I'll, I'll look this up real quick. Well, I think I think the gist of it is that uh, the voters did a really, really good job. Um, I think that this is obviously one of uh, this is always one of the tougher votes because the league is stacked talent wise. If you go back like you that's, know ten years, that's absolutely true. By the way, it must have been really yeah. hard, really stacked. Yeah, and and it's if you go back ten years and you see some of the players that make their team, and you 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 really can see the difference between the level of talent in the league right now, and that includes both veteran and young talent. And if you compare it, you know there's there's just no comparison. Teams are deeper. Teams are uh, playing uh, a a better style. Uh, coaching is better. Uh, management of teams is better. It's just all around. It's such a good product. And isolating the top 15 players in the league, not only by just like the top 15, but by position, is a insanely difficult uh, task. And I, I, you know, uh, I, I got to hand it to them. They've they've done a very good job. And uh, just today, they also announced like you know finalists for 
uh, the awards like MVP and all that. And look, the the voters, it's a tough job uh, to to get, uh, you know, rank this kind of talent, basically. And I, I think that I'm very impressed by the outcomes. Totally. So, <clears throat> excuse me. If there was anybody that got left off, do you think there's any any snubs? Well, who are the snubs for you? Or do you think they just straight down the line did a great job? Because there are, again, as you mentioned, there's so many good players in the league right now. I would have a hard time doing this if I was like, who gets to vote on these things? National writers? and Yeah, yeah. So there's I think there's 100 writers uh, for the All-NBA team. I think, you know, uh, so there's always going to be, especially at the like fringes. So, for example... Uh, DeAndre Jordan um, made the third team. Some people would want Carl Anthony Towns in there, right? That's a that's a option, and it's a good option. Right. Uh, some people were saying that instead of um, Demar Derozan, maybe it should have been Chris Paul. But the truth is, is uh, we also like you know the way Dream. Uh, uh, I'm saying Dream. Uh, the way Demar's season ended in the playoffs, you know, was not great. Uh, we we tend to weigh that, and that's kind of the downfall of these awards, you know, coming. At playoff time, because it's hard to separate the playoff performances and the regular season performances. Uh, DeMar DeRozan weathered the storm for a Raptors team that lost Kyle, Kyle Lowry for a significant portion of the season. He played extremely well, really efficient basketball. And, you know, Chris Paul was out. And Chris Paul also, um, the Clippers were relatively disappointing in the regular season and the playoffs, of course. And so from that perspective... I think that obviously you can make cases. Obviously, when we're ranking the 15th pl- uh, best players, there's going to be uh, somebody in the top 20 that you feel like you know should have been in there. That that's of course that 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 that, that will always be there. Um, but if, if if the final list that came out, uh, I have no issues with it. There's nobody who doesn't deserve it that's on it. I think is the better way to look at it. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree with that. Um, and you know, the first thing, like I. I I'm sorry, I'm a little bit underprepared for this because I, again, like as you did, just get out of work and come home. I don't have any time to look at this stuff while I'm at work. So I went right from work to home to like real life chores and then to here. So excuse my unpreparedness. But yeah, I the one thing that jumped out at me immediately, immediately when I saw the tweet was that, you know, we are definitely weighing these picks based on their playoff performance. So the first one that jumped out to me was, as you mentioned, DeMar DeRozan, I'm like, well, I mean, for me, I wouldn't have put him on even based on his regular season stats because I just think that he was he was good. He was really good. He put up really good numbers. I'm just not a huge fan of his game. And I would have definitely put Chris Paul above him. For me, that makes, you know, that's like a no-brainer. Like, how do you leave Chris Paul off of this list? But I understand Chris Paul's, as you just mentioned, the Clippers didn't do that well. And they flamed out really quick in the playoffs. And that's the thing. Like, when we see these and you mentioned – we see them at playoff time. It colors what you think about about these teams. Like DeAndre right. Jordan, of course, he could have been replaced by by Carl Anthony Towns. And honestly, that's, you know, this one I don't fault the voters for. I think they did a really good job. Carl Anthony Towns has had a great season. But again, like there's, there's such um, a close space between this guy and that guy there's so small of a of a difference the discrepancy between them is so close so that like what do you do it's got to come down i guess for some people to your record a lot of people right like, and i think that's you fair the, by the you, way and it is totally fair and you 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 have to have you have to draw the line somewhere right if it if all things are equal then it comes down to like well you know the the tiniest of little details and if your record is the record is the thing for you then that's fine i'm totally fine with deandre jordan getting in I, you know, it's, it's, yeah, I'm totally good with the list for the most part. I mean, I actually, I'm totally good with the list. I don't, I don't really think I would have changed much if anything at all. But the one thing is, and this strikes me, is that the guys that vote on these, on these lists actually have the power to determine the player's outcome in certain cases, like Paul George or Gordon Hayward. And you know, because they didn't, either one of those guys didn't make an all NBA team, they're not eligible for the Supermax, right? Which means they, they, they just cut their paycheck. I didn't, to me, it seems like a ridiculously arbitrary and antiquated system. I don't know how this began, but to leave the salary up to people who are not even involved with the team, and, and I'm not saying like the, the writers, it's not their fault. They have to vote their conscience and and vote who they think this you know who is the best and who should be the top 15 players and as you mentioned i think they did a great job 
But putting that in their hands, it's just a really bad system by the NBA, not by the writers. You know, it's just it seems really flawed. What do you think about it? Uh, and and I think you you nailed it at the end there. Is that it's not it, <laughs> the writers? I mean, they they probably hate this responsibility because oh, sure. you don't right you don't want to feel like you're responsible for taking you know 30 million dollars out of paul george's pocket um the the truth is is that this is just another another case of uh the owners trying to happen because of the uh new cba extension that they negotiated this is all part of um their effort to you know keep their own players uh make it so you know, uh, restrict player movement as much as possible, which is already ridiculous because the team you get drafted to, you're basically stuck with for like nine years uh, right. as it is. Mm-hmm. And all of these misguided attempts, like forever, have backfired. The super team that Miami put together was as a result of a bad CBA changes that they made. Uh, the uh, Warriors, you know, the Warriors being uh, like super team created was such a freak set of circumstances like if you list the re- the ways that it happened this is just another misguided attempt at owners trying to regulate sort of parity competitive balance and all that stuff and this this new you know uh designated veteran players uh extension uh clause that we're talking about uh was all because of essentially the warriors getting together but my point to you was was that Overreacting to the Warriors super team is such a mistake because of the freak set of circumstances that had to happen for the Warriors to even get Kevin Durant, right? That included like a crazy cap spike. For sure. A crazy, uh, uh, them, lo- first of all, beating OKC after being up 3 1 and then losing to the Cavs being up 3 1. Like all of those things had to happen together at the same time. And the Warriors had to be such a great organization and had to clear so much salary, like such a well, don't wide al- array of factors. Don't forget also that, that if, if it wasn't for Steph Curry being injured his first three years in the, in the league, they wouldn't have him on this contract. They wouldn't be able to make any of this move, these moves. They got yeah, him on such point. a sweet deal because great of those point. injuries. And who knew that, like, I remember his rookie season and I think we all have the same thought that, my God, if this kid can stay healthy, he's going to be insanely good. And then the next two years, he just had ankle injuries and ankle injuries. And you're like, well, this is never going to happen. He's never going to pan out. And I'm hoping that, that Joel Embiid follows sort of the same path. <laughs> right. No. And, and and he's the same way, right? If, if he's healthy, we all know what he can be. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I mean, it's like it's a perfect storm of things that happened for the Warriors to be here. And because they tried to correct what they thought were inequities or or inefficiencies in the CBA last time, the things that would give them a competitive edge, I guess. They they tried to correct it, but they overcorrected. It's like when you're driving a car and you start the hydroplane and you steer too far to one way. That's exactly what happened here, I think. That's, that's, a, really, that, that's a really, really good comparison. Yeah, I, I agree. I completely agree with that. And enabled them to get, they were trying exactly to keep super teams from building. You're right. And they what they did instead was they enabled a Kevin Durant to to come to the, you know, to the, the Warriors. Right. So, so this, this, so, you know, the, it's, it's part of a bigger conversation, not so much that the voters, uh, you know, that they have this power and essentially this, this clause is going to make it more likely than less that, you know, players start moving away from, from their teams. So, um, yeah, the, the, again, you know, the, the writers did a really, really good job. Uh, this system is going to bite the owners in the ass, just like so many other kind of, uh, uh, provisions like this have, have done so. So, um, it's 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 you once again it's you know uh are you there i think i lost you again oh boy (laughs) we're not batting a thousand tonight are we yeah wait uh what about now hello yeah yep i can hear you can hear me oh yeah okay maybe i should just call you and we'll just record it on a cell phone (laughs) no no let's let's see no that's a joke that's a joke man (laughs) (laughs) i thought you got my humor anyway um yeah, but what do you think about – so what do you think? Is there a possibility that, like, Paul George now gets moved to, say, I don't know, the Lakers? Or that Gordon Hayward, because he's not going to be eligible for that Supermax, leaves the Jazz? I mean, what do you think? Does this open up I, – I mean, I personally think it opens up other possibilities. It opens up – I mean, honestly, I, I have the feeling that Hayward stays. 
I think he really enjoys it there, and I think he's already a hero, a, like a hero in Oklahoma, or Oklahoma, sorry, Utah. I don't know why he would leave, except for, you know, if he wanted to chase a championship. Um, but I think if he it's gives not it even, a, it's not even It's not even chasing a championship, though, right, for Gordon Hayward, because right. uh, of of his connection with uh, Brad Stevens in Boston. I mean, if he leaves, if he leaves Utah, it will be for Boston, um, and... If you look at Boston, I mean, look, I'm a Lakers fan, so uh, obviously it, it's fun to make fun of them. But at the same time, uh, and by the way, they're getting uh, their butts kicked by. I know this is going to be recording later, but they're getting their butts kicked uh, by Cleveland right now. Yeah, uh, what's the score? Last I saw, I just got to watch like five minutes of it. It was it's it's crazy. It's like fifty six twenty four. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, Sorry. It's fun to make fun of, right? Yeah. But, truth is is that they have uh, a crazy amount of assets they have a, a lot of young talent they have a really good coach they have a good organization they have a good fan base they're a good market so i i, I would not blame uh uh him at in the least gordon hayward if he if he went from utah to boston um but yeah there's uh, them not being on the all nba teams and ex- uh, eligible for this extension takes the chances of them leaving from like 5% to like 50%, right? And right. that that's a huge, huge, huge thing. Um, because what it does and, is ultimately it evens the playing field. It levels the playing right. field. Like if that one team, if your team can't give you that extra money now, then what's the difference if you're here or there? So I'm just, I'm just laying it out in plain, you know, layman's terms. Right. Like everything's Absolutely. equal now just because the vote, the voters or the writers voted the way they felt that they should. And they, I'm not saying they're wrong. That's it's not on them. You know, it's on the NBA. Go on. Are you there? Paul George Lake. Can are you there? In regards, yes, yes. Oh, I don't. I didn't. I didn't hear you until just now. So what were you saying? Yeah, I, I was saying in regards to uh, the Paul George Lakers question, um, that there was already a lot of smoke, right? Uh, in regards to that, a oh, lot yeah. of uh, rumblings about Paul George wanting to be in L.A. and not even just L.A. I mean, if you look at Indiana's situation, it it, it is quite bad. Like. I don't see how they get from where they are to even being competitive in the East. And so I don't blame Paul George at all because this is his prime of his career. Um, and you, you can't just let, you know, your prime go to waste. And um, I, I think that Paul George being traded uh, this summer or let's say by the next deadline is a virtual certainty. And if he wants to be in LA uh, that makes it more likely that he comes to LA because uh, another team can't take the risk of acquiring Paul George and him just leaving in one year because his co- he's going to be an unrestricted free agent after next season. Uh, that's why the clock is is right now. And honestly, I mean this this is this is uh, if I'm Boston, uh, I would still make the deal, especially if Jimmy Butler is not available and you don't sign Gordon Hayward. Like if Gordon Hayward decides to stay with Utah, mm-hmm. I would still bid for Paul George. I, I would still offer trades. And I would call his bluff because with Paul George, the Celtics would probably go back at least to the conference finals. And for him to leave after that kind of a situation uh, would be really tough. So I would still do that. But I think that Paul George leaving Indiana is a virtual certainty at this point. And I'd say the odds on favorite are definitely the Lakers. Huh. All right. That's fair. Um, By the way, we should also mention part of the reason he didn't make all-NBA team is probably because of the team he's on. If he had better players around him, exactly to what you were saying. Absolutely. He Absolutely. would have been on that team. He's that good of a player. He just had no help. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So it's, it's you know, you're, you're, I think you're totally spot on. I think if he's not traded by the – if he's not traded on draft night, then he's definitely out of there by the trade deadline. I, I can't see a world in which – and. And for the Pacers, they have to know this is their best chance. They have a golden chip in their hands. Paul George is an amazing player. He's a top 15, 20 player in the league. You have to unload him while you have the opportunity to do it. You have to sell high. He's like a stock. Not him personally, but the idea of him is, a, you know, he's like a stock. You want to sell when it's at its highest level. And they would be fools not to do it. He's not going to come back. They're not going to be able to put a, a good enough team around him. I, I think you're totally right. I think he's gone. Um and Gordon Hayward, I'm still not – I have no feel about him at all, but I could totally see him moving on as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I Look, with, uh, with Utah, uh, the way they lost to Golden State, Golden State's not going anywhere. No. And, and so anybody, anybody who has the opportunity to go east – I mean, LeBron is pretty damn unstoppable too, but at least you can uh, crack – 
challenge the the Cavs, but I think the Dumb. chemistry. We have a terrible feed tonight. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I'm missing every other word you're saying. Oh man, I'm sorry. No, uh, it's not your fault. Um, maybe I should restart my internet and call you right back. Sure. Okay. 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 Hang tight. Let me call you back. Yeah, you gotta upgrade. You gotta upgrade your internet. If, oh. uh, I, I find that that's a very worthwhile investment. Yeah, well, we're all going to have to upgrade our internet as soon as they pass this net neutrality law thing. That's true. Oh, that's true. God. Anyway, you were talking about how Utah gets, how they got demolished by the Warriors, how they got swept. Right, 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 right. Right. Did you have and, any more and, to say about that? <laughs> yeah, well, oh, sorry, sorry. No, yeah. it's okay. No, it's no, I, I, I just think that if, if you're in the West and you're looking at the Warriors, their chemistry is just going to get better from here, which is the scariest part of this. Like, I, I don't, I when I watch them play and I see Steph and and Kevin Durant and Draymond, they're playing obviously very very well, and they're the overwhelming favorites to win the title this year. But I look at them and I say, you know what, Kevin Durant isn't fully integrated, and that's not anybody's fault. I mean, to integrate such a big piece like that on the fly is very difficult. Imagine them with a full year. And then a summer of just, you know, working together and then coming in next year, they're going to be even better. And so if you're Gordon Hayward, you're looking at, okay, well, Rudy Gobert is really good right now. Uh, I'm I'm in the prime of my career. And if I sign for five years now, are we really going to have a shot over the next five years to get into the finals where I can maybe see a situation in Boston and say, you know what, within five years, LeBron is far older than the core of the Warriors. Let me try this. Let me see if, if I can go there. And obviously, uh, um, you know, there's plenty of stories about the fact that uh, Brad Stevens was one of the only people that ever believed in Gordon Hayward going back to uh, their Butler days. And, of course, there's going to be a personal connection there. So uh, I, it's it's more of a possibility, I think, than people think. But he very well could just stay because, obviously, they have a good thing going in Utah. Yeah, and I, I just to speak to that a little bit, I think it's a matter of jumping off point, right? You're... Boston is jumping off at a much higher level. Even if you're going to compete with the LeBron-led Cavs and you're not going to get past him anytime soon, you're right. He's on. He's got to be on the back end of his career, right? We keep saying this, but every year in his 14th season, he's better now than he's ever been. It's insane. It's amazing. It he's really a robot. Is. I'm pretty sure he's a robot. Um, <laughs> he's like a predator. He's a, he's actually just like you know going to kill all of us at some point. Anyway, it, no, no, it it it. It, it, it's worth mentioning again and again because we take greatness for granted and, mm-hmm. you know, that's what we've done with LeBron. He he is, what he's doing is, you know, basically unparalleled. It's incredible. Incredible. Anyway, let's let's stop, you know, praising LeBron. We have other things to talk about. Namingly, our uh, respective crappy teams that just, <laughs> that just went two and three in the uh, NBA draft lottery. So... Yes, we open talking about this, and I know because you're a big Lakers fan and I'm a big Sixers fan. You really want to get into this? Let's talk about the. Uh, or unless you have anything else to say, do you have anything else? To no, say about no, the I, I, I think. Teams? I think. Oh no, no, no! I think uh, I'm excited to talk about this. Yeah, let's do it. All right. So, first, as I wrote to you earlier, I want you to take me through what it, what the ang- the anxiety you were feeling just before the Lakers got their pick. Um, to say I was stressed out is like an understatement because. Obviously, you know, when when we came into the year and especially the Lakers started 10 and 10, um, I had sort of decided, you know, well, not decided, but I had I had come to terms with the fact that and, you know, to to the credit of our fan base, it's like a lot of us had been saying all year that, look, we can't expect to keep the pick because even with the second worst uh, uh, record, you have like a 55 percent or roughly speaking chance of keeping the pick and then. The Lakers were a third worst position. They were under 50%. It was like 46.9. So, I mean, you you have to figure that, listen, that's basically a 50-50 shot, worse than that this year. And so more times than not, you're not going to keep it. And uh, for the Lakers to, first of all, keep the pick was just such a moment of joy. And then to jump up from three to two, which there's a big difference this year. I feel, uh, I mean, I don't know enough about the draft, but at, at least from people, what, what people say is that the first two picks are, are you know, uh, are, are almost short things, almost. And then there's there's a good tier of prospects, three to five, and then there's a big drop off, right? So one through five is a very solid uh, draft this year. Um, but just 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 the anxiety on that day specifically was just unbelievable because you know how big it is you 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 understand uh it's like a theoretical thing until it's the lottery day and when it's lottery day 
then you're like, oh man, it's here. You know, it, this this is real. This is happening today. Uh, and and so it was definitely very stressful. And then what? Obviously, when it was announced, it was just it w- it was just euphoria because it's not only the pick; it's the amount of options it unlocks. It's it, it's such a massive tool in your in your tool chest. Um, and and you know, it, it's it's it, it's it's going to be an exciting summer. Well, I can say this as a Sixers fan; I totally know what you were going through. Um, and you know, I, for me, um, I wasn't as nervous this year about like not getting that pick. I said at the beginning of the year. So for after we saw what Joel Embiid is and what he could possibly be if he stays healthy, like everything after that was icing on the cake. I really wanted the Sixers to get the Lakers pick just because I want to see the Lakers fail. Of course, <laughs> of course, very understandable. So, no, it's fine. I mean, right? Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. No, no, it's, it's 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 truthful. It's very understandable. And and uh, but the truth is, the the Sixers did damn well too. Tonight, yeah, uh, that night. And here's the thing: like you're right. There's absolutely. By the way, I'm not sold that that Lonzo Ball is is a sure thing. Um, and I don't know enough about the draft yet either. I have to do some digging. I have to do my YouTube scouting later uh, in a couple of weeks, and I'll, I'll do a podcast about that. So, yeah, I don't really know enough about him either. For me, uh, are you pretty confident that the Lakers are going to take Lonzo Ball? Um, I, it's, it's, I, I can't put a percentage on it right now. I'd say the – the um, so Fultz is the clear-cut number one, right? Yeah. So we, we, we That's can, what I understand anyway. Right, right. So beyond that, uh, I think that it's pretty much a consensus at this point uh, based off everything I've read. Now things can change. We're still a month away uh, from the actual draft. It seems like consensus is that Lonzo Ball is the number two prospect. Uh, but if, you know, something about Josh Jackson uh, and, you know, the other prospects, uh, if, if, if somebody else kind of steps up and, and looks like possibly the better prospect – I don't deny that the Lakers would go in that direction. Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, unfortunately Lonzo's dad, who I actually have no problem with. I find him very funny. Uh, really? You know, beyond his, beyond some of his troublesome comments. Yeah, man. I mean, like, what what harm is he doing other than? And ESPN and Fox Sports are, you know, giving them the platform. It's not. And, it's not that he's actually doing harm. And you're right. If you're gonna get a platform, use the platform. Screw it. I mean, right. like, what what is everybody doing a podcast trying to do? We're all like, oh, let me right. put my pro- my product out there. Let me put my brand Absolutely. out there. Um, so you're right. In that sense, you are correct. the The he's problem not- the problem I have is that his son is the one that we should be focusing on, not him. It just seems incredibly selfish and sort of deviant. And by the way, seeing him on the Colin Cowherd is an idiot. I hate that guy. But seeing what he did with his co-host, I forget her name, because um, I've never actually listened to that show he has now. But I saw the tweets, and I'm like, you know, Lonzo or Lavar sitting there and like just not even acknowledging her because he's afraid of her, quote unquote, afraid of her. It's just it really smacks of sexism, and it's just it's just. It's kind of gross. I just don't like what he does. I don't like the attention that he tries to grab. I don't Here's like... my question to you. Here's my question to you. And I don't deny anything you just said. If you're a GM of a team, how much does that factor into your pick? Oh, my God. If I'm a GM of a team, it factors yeah. in a whole lot. I think, honestly, I could see Lonzo's stock dropping, seriously, because his dad is such... A circus. It's gonna be. Joe, he, he not only gets. Joe, the, they not only get the player, but they get the entire circus that comes with him. And not only that, dude. That it puts an unfair amount of pressure on Lonzo to perform because he's coming in. Guys are gonna hate him because of his dad. He's coming in already with a target on his back. He's already a rookie. It's just. It's. I just feel like his dad is not doing anything to help him as a father should. I feel like the only thing he's doing is looking out for himself, and he's creating this media frenzy and circus around him. That I just feel is unfair to Lonzo. I actually feel bad for Lonzo Ball, man. Um, and I just okay. think I so, think that the circus he's setting up and the the pressure that he's putting on him because of the things his you know Lavar is saying is just totally unfair. And I I just feel like it's setting him up for failure. What is your rebuttal okay. to this? Go ahead. My rebuttal is is if that if you consider Lavar Ball in anything higher than zero point zero percent of your evaluation of Lonzo. Uh, you are not ready to be an NBA GM because well, no shit, man. I'm not... <laughs> play... <laughs> well, no, that, that's my point, though. Right? No, I, know, I know. It's it's it has nothing to do with anything. In fact, 
if you if if you look at it from this perspective, uh, he is at worst a top three prospect in the NBA draft on a very loaded draft. Uh, whatever pressure that Lavar has been putting on him has served him well. Secondly, when Lavar goes out and talks about uh, Lonzo, it's all supportive, and the 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 sideshow and and the the you know, bombastic nature of LeVar. That's about LeVar promoting LeVar. And who cares? Like that, th- th- this is, uh, my question c- keeps coming back to who cares? Like, if well, that's the thing. you're and telling me. And the you're, answer you're, is like the fans care. The fans care a lot. The fans don't want to be like. If, for, if Lonzo is a good basketball player, are you really going to care? If no, you, if, people if, if the Sixers, If the Sixers drafted him, would you really care? If Joel Embiid was not a, if Joel Embiid was, you know, was he a distraction because of his Shirley Temples? Was he actually a distraction? No, come on. And, and this but this, is, right. No, no, no. This I is, get what you're and, saying. And now we're talking about the dad. We're not even talking about the actual kid, right? No, but you, you know who was saying? a distraction? Uh, Allen Iverson's mom. Well, whatever. He was still one of the greatest players of all time. Right. So if you're telling <laughs> you're me right, Lonzo Ball's right. ceiling is Allen Iverson, yeah, I'll take that. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. Please do, do not quote me on that. I am not saying that in no, any I'm way, saying, shape, or form. I'm saying, I'm saying if, if, if Allen Iverson is any sort of a comparison, I'll take it. You know what I mean? Even if, I, even only if you're talking about— Only by parents. Only, by, only his... by disruptive parents. Okay. So his disruptive parents, if that allowed him to have only that good of a career, I'll take that as well. But you know who else felt parents is a distraction? Uh— Okafor, Chucky Okafor is a huge pain in the ass. He's threatened people on Twitter like to kick their ass because they don't like his son. Like, it's, and if Jaleel Okafor actually played well, we nobody care. would care. You're right, right. But I'm Draymond, what I'm saying. Draymond Green's mom is is does the same stuff on Twitter. Aisha uh, Curry, Steph Curry's wife, said the NBA was rigged. Yeah, did it? Ki- did you care? <laughs> I did in the. I did just to the extent that it was but hilarious. Did it? Did it, did it <laughs> right? Did it change your? Did no, it right. Change how Steph Curry plays or how you feel about Steph Curry? No, no. That's no. That, 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 that's what it comes down to. It's nonsense, and uh, you know, you're, I can go right down if... a sociological kind of route with this uh, that I'll avoid. But uh, you know, let's not forget that uh, Eli Manning's dad. Uh, steered uh, uh, Eli away from the Chargers to the Giants, and oh. nobody said anything about it. Right? Oh, I don't, so like, I don't you know, know if that's true. I live in New York. It's definitely not true. But yeah, I know. I get what you're saying. Like I'm making a character. What basically we're all doing is making character judgments about Lonzo based on his idiot father. Right? His idiot father is not going to be playing basketball. So I don't. If he, if if Lonzo is that good, just forget a Lavar. It it could be a distraction, but you know, ultimately he could be one of the best players out of the draft. So I don't. If they're going to take him, that's fine. I'm, I can say that I'm pretty happy that the Sixers don't have to worry about that if the Lakers take him. Uh, that's just where I'm at. I don't, I don't want the circus sideshow. I just want, you know, really good players. But again, as you mentioned, if he's a really good player, nobody's going to notice. So it's fine. It's fine. Um, you, you've, I would say you've swayed me, but you really haven't. I still think his dad's an ass. <laughs> I, I'm not even disputing that, though. We're not even talking about that. <laughs> That's it. true. I'm talking, We're about, not I'm disputing talking that. about its effect on Lonzo, which is, if if nothing, if it's not positive, even though I would argue that if it's led him to this point, it's been positive. Even if it's a net neutral, I, I it's, you know, it's it's pointless to use any evaluation on Lonzo using Lavar as any sort of example. But what if what I'm saying is right, and his dad just derails him for his career? Then what? Now listen, let's not talk about this. Anyway. Let me ask you a few other questions about this draft pick, though. Does this mean the end for D'Lo? As so many no, people are predicting. No, no, Do you think they can play no. together? Yeah, well, first of all, nobody close to the Lakers or has any sources with the Lakers has even come close to reporting that D'Angelo Russell is even available. Uh, now, as it comes to uh, development and, and a team-building uh, perspective, uh, the Lakers are not in a position. They don't have, like, you know, the sure shot uh, star like the Carl Anthony Towns level star to say that anybody on their roster is untouchable and that includes the number two pick by the way it, everything is on the table um, but in regards to if the Lakers choose to draft D'Angelo Russ, uh, De- uh, Lonzo Ball uh, they actually complement each other very well and Lonzo Ball um, there's this guy his name is uh, uh, Pete Zayas he's a he was an ex-coach he breaks down film uh, for the Lakers and he not for the Lakers but he breaks down film of the Lakers and uh, he also does uh, draft prospects, and he says actually that Lonzo Ball projects very well as a player who can guard twos. Uh, D'Angelo Russell and Lonzo Ball both play well off the ball. 
Uh, D'Angelo Russell is actually the best catch-and-shoot player on the Lakers, but he's had nobody to pass him the ball in catch-and-shoot situations. Right. Uh, so in terms of them playing together, I think it could work very, very well, uh, especially because it would put Jordan Clarkson uh, into the sixth-man role, which he should be. He should not be a starter uh, in the NBA. That um, actually brings up my next question. Do you think it makes Clarkson expendable? Uh, you, you, the, the, the problem with expendable is I... Everybody's on the table from my perspective. Yeah, and yes, Clarkson would be more, more, more expendable as a guard, um, especially because I would expect D'Angelo Russell to play, you know, 35, 30, 35 minutes. And then Lonzo Ball would probably start at 20 minutes and then, you know, increase as a rookie does. Um, so, yeah, from that perspective, especially if you can get good return for him. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, the Lakers have a glut of forwards and uh, that they would probably need to consolidate before they dealt. Jordan Clarkson, just because I think that should be a priority for them to consolidate their forwards. Um, but yeah, absolutely, Jordan Clarkson should be on the trading block. Uh, anybody should. I, I have no. Um, I really like um, DeAndre Russell. I really like Brandon Ingram. Um, in fact, you know, uh, the DeAngelo Russell discussion is uh, quite frankly very dumb uh, around the league. Uh, the truth is, is that if I had to bet today. Uh, I would still bet that D'Angelo Russell, uh, just odds-on favorite to actually have a, a very good NBA career compared to the rest of the prospects. Now we don't know how that you, we don't know how Brandon Ingram is going to look next year. We don't know how Julius Randle is going to look this year. And for that fact, we don't even know what D'Angelo Russell will look like. But I'm just looking at you know projections age-wise. They're per 36. Just looking at a wide array of of, of uh, factors. D'Angelo Russell is performing very well now. Yes. Uh, he's inconsistent at times. Uh, he's immature, but guess what? He's 21 and he's young. So that the, you know that happens. Um, but I think that the structure is in place, and especially if he gets a dynamic player like Lonzo Ball next to him, I think that they can do really good things to, together. Yeah, that's fair. I don't I don't have any qualms with that. I'm still not huge on D'Angelo Russell, but mostly because I just don't think he's a um... Should I say great defender? I, I just wonder what their backcourt's going to be able to defend because I know that Lonzo Ball, if he if he comes to the team, is not a great defender either. Uh, and they'll probably give up a lot of points. But that's neither here nor there. I mean, they could run a really fun, exciting offensive game, right? And, and you know, uh, at least in terms of physical projections, uh, Lonzo Ball is a uh, person guarding shooting guards actually uh, – Based off like you know the the scouting reports I've seen so far, actually projects pretty decently. Mm-hmm. Um, but but the truth is is that the Lakers really don't have any good defenders. I mean beyond uh, Lonzo and D'Angelo Russell, uh, we see it year time and time after again. Uh, obviously you you need to have defenders at every position if you if you can uh, do it. But the truth is is that wings and uh, big men are are need to be better defenders, and you need your guards. To, have a good offense bad defense uh guard than the flip for a center or a power forward right you're seeing that with uh Jaleel Okafor yeah um I, I think that so you look at a player like Andre Robertson in uh OKC right he's really really good at defense but he is such a liability on the other end that you really can't play him and but at a player like let's say DeAndre Jordan who while I consider you know the the his athleticism and the lob dunks, I consider that an important and underrated part of when we evaluate offense. He's limited offensively, but he's so good defensively, there's no liability of him on the floor. But with guards, it's it, you you can't afford being bad offensively. So I think that if you have D'Angelo Russell and Lonzo Ball, yes, there will be defensive deficiencies, but the onus in terms of team building should be on upgrading your uh, forwards and your, your like wings and forwards and big men in that regard. That's fair. That's all fair. That's all pretty good. <laughs> I don't really know if I can argue with any of that, except for... Nah, and yeah, it's fine. I think you're right. Look, your your look, guards definitely this. need to score. They It would be right. an added bonus if they could defend as well. Uh, and I think at some point they're going to need that. They're going to need somebody at least to come off the bench and give them good defensive moments. Um, right. And I, honestly, I think Lenzo Ball, because he's, ta- he's big. He's a big guard. He could probably improve 
significantly on that end of the of the court if he needs to. I don't know if he was asked to do that in college. I don't really watch college ball. So maybe the scouting report that's out on him now is that he didn't play defense, but maybe he just didn't need to, you know? And so, and more importantly, uh, and I think you, you alluded to it already, his physical attributes, mm-hmm. also his instincts are very, very good. And, oh, and you see that by his passing. Good. Yeah, if you can pass the ball that well, like say like Chris Paul, he's really good on defense too, on defense too because he understands – the passes right. that need to be made. He understands the right. angles of the court, the geometry to get the ball from point A to point B. If you know about that stuff, you can jump the lane at any minute. It can You can create turnovers. All he needs to do is be long, which he is for a guard. You know, He could get better. Yep, yep. No, I, 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 I'm very uh, um, bullish about the D'Angelo Russell-Lonzo uh, Bale pairing. Uh, there's, there's definitely a lot of problems with the Lakers roster. But I think those those two are not those. Yeah, and I think they have a better direction now with uh, with Rob Palenka at the helm and Magic Johnson. Let me get your take on just a few other things. So I was I was messing with you before the uh, the lottery started. You seemed a little uptight. You you didn't really want to go right, back and forth right. too much about this. But I was like, you know, I messed around. I was like, you know, the lottery's fixed. The Lakers are going to keep their pick. By the way, I don't actually think the lottery is fixed. That would be completely right. insane. For the league to do this, it'd be gambling. If if suppose they were gambling, and suppose they were fixing the, and this is what I've said for years, if they were fixing the draft, that would be the most elaborate, complex scheme ever. Do you know that last night or whatever night it was, Tuesday night, when they did the the lottery drawing, four times the Lakers came or the uh, not the Lakers, the Celtics came up number one. They had to redraw like, and one time it got stuck. Right. The ball got stuck in the thing. There's no right. way you could possibly do that until the Lakers came up second, right? There's no way you could fake that. Right. It's totally a chance. It's totally random. I totally agree. But at, in saying that, I will also say that in at no time did I ever think the Sixers were getting the Lakers pick. Just because it's the Lakers and the land of sunshine and the basketball gods will smile upon them. I hate that stupid term, the basketball gods. Anyway. <laughs> But I, I, I never I, I, thought you weren't getting that pick for a second. Um, do what do you think about people that say the lottery is rigged? Uh, I say uh, in with in regards to any conspiracy. Uh, I'm losing you again, buddy. You're you're breaking up. I have to cut so much of this podcast out. Are you there? Yeah. Uh, sorry. Hello. Yeah, I can hear you, but you're fuzzy. What about now? Yeah, good enough. Go ahead. What were you going to say about the basketball? Uh... I'm saying just evaluate the uh, uh, cost and benefit of doing any sort of rigging of the lottery. If the benefit is that LA will be good and your ratings will go up, okay. Uh, if you get caught, what's the cost? Uh, the entire NBA as a business would collapse. Yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly right. That's exactly my point. And by the way, for people that say that uh, the league is better, and this is what I was messing with you about, I was like, the league is totally better when the Lakers are are good. There's more revenue, and the you know there there's more um, focus on the league when the Lakers are because it's such a big market. But you could say the same thing of the Knicks, the exact same thing of the Knicks. The league is probably better when the Knicks are good, and they, and by the way, and they the dropped ratings- the spot. So the ratings have been fantastic this year, and uh, they've not needed big markets. And by the way, uh, San Francisco is a big market, and Golden State is doing just fine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a, I don't think it's rigged, but it is fun to like. It's fun to imagine the possibility that like, oh, this is you know, because listen, the Celtics and the Lakers got one and two. By the way, give me your opinion. I know you hate the Celtics. I'm not a huge fan either. What's your opinion of them getting the first overall pick? Uh, look that that deal. Uh. I mean, it's a it was a ridiculous deal with the Nets that they they made. Um, you but think good, good, <laughs> you know, good, 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 good for Dan, Danny Ainge. I mean, I, I I love crapping on his draft record because I think that he's massively overrated in that regard. But the truth is, he's also probably one of the best uh, deal makers in the NBA uh, in terms of t- trades. And for a team to be in the conference finals, even though they're going to you know, probably get swept, for a team to be in the conference finals and win the first pick uh, in today's kind of NBA uh, is uh, just something that, that's like, you know, general manager, Hall of Fame worthy. You know, it's just it's 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 a remarkable uh, thing. Uh, and so I'll, I'll credit to them, uh, but I will root for them to fail. 
Yeah, that's fair. By the way, we shouldn't give all the credit to Danny Ainge because, listen, Billy King was on the Brooklyn Nets when that, everyone saw this coming from the second he was hired. He was also enabled to do this. His owner went out and told him to do this. So yep. I blame Billy King, but I also blame Prokhorov. Anyway, right. um, but yeah, it kind of sucks that to the riches or to the to, to riches goes the spoils. How's that go to the? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, think yeah. That's a, I think that's a phrase, yeah. Yes. Or the rich get richer. The, the rich, rich get, get richer. richer. There you go. So in that, in that respect, it kind of sucks. But listen, the last you told me, the the Cavs were blowing out the Celtics by like 30 points in, in the first half. So they're still very far away. I will say also that, uh, and, you know, speaking of Ainge's track record drafting rookies, you're right. It's It's totally terrible. I think everyone's on board with this. Everyone is wise to his game now. We know he's not good at it. But I will say that Jalen Brown in this playoffs has looked really good. And he, he might, be, and he might be better than rookie, I. What's that? Yeah, his poise as a rookie in the playoffs has been oh, impressive. Yeah. yeah, really good. I totally underrated him. I He came out of – I shouldn't say he came out of nowhere, but he's really come on in the playoffs. He might be a really good player sneakily that nobody expected. You know what I mean? Because, like, Last year when he came, I didn't even think he was worthy of the draft, the third overall draft pick. Is that where they drafted third? Right. Yeah. yeah was- I, I was like, oh my God, what are they doing? This is a total reach. That might be a re- So we should give Ainge a little bit of credit here. He might have been on to something good. Um, and if they get Fultz, who, as far as I know from everyone that's any, that has talked about the draft at all so far, it, Fultz is the guy. If you watch any of his, his highlights and stuff, he looks really freaking good. So... There's the chance they could trade that pick uh, and try and pick up Jimmy Butler or Paul George. I I kind of think they might be a little bit foolish for doing it, but um, I think it would actually be smart for them to uh, keep Fultz. And uh, I know this sounds crazy, but I think that uh, they should explore trading Isaiah Thomas just because Isaiah Thomas is having an amazing year. Uh, he's far overachieved from anything I thought he'd be able to do in this league. But I still don't think he can be the best player on a championship team. And in that case, uh, not next year, but the year after, he's going to be unrestricted free agent. And I'm not sure you want to pay him $30 million a year, right, for four or five years. Right. So I think that, and especially because of how good LeBron is right now, you can afford to keep developing your rookies over the next two, three years and uh, put yourself in a position to compete when LeBron is truly on his downswing and the Cavs are not as quite as dominant, right? And so I think it's actually more likely, uh, strange enough, uh, and I know this sounds a little crazy, but uh, if you if you kind of break it down uh, logically, I think it's more likely that they keep Fultz and trade Isaiah Thomas uh, than them trading that number one pick for anybody like you know Jimmy Butler and 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 Jimmy Butler is great. No, I mean it's not it's not it's not a reflection on how I feel about Jimmy Butler. It's more of a reflection of how I look at their situation overall. And uh, how I look at the competitive landscape of the league right now. You know, I would I would somewhat agree with that. I I, I also think they should keep the pick and they should draft Fultz. Um, but I somewhat disagree with the idea that, and I know a lot of people have come out and said they should just look at trading Isaiah Thomas. He's at his peak right now. They could get a lot for him. I sort of disagree with that because, and I do agree that you said he can't be the best player on a championship team. Yes, but he can definitely be your number two. And if Fultz progresses the way that everyone thinks he might, you have Fultz on a, a rookie deal. You're not going to give up anything to keep both of them. They can learn to work together. And from what everyone says, it looks like Boston is con- sort of committed to Isaiah Thomas in the fact that he can work off the ball. He can be a great shooting guard, a two guard who just, he doesn't need the ball in his hand. We know the guy can score from anywhere on the court. It could be a beautiful pairing, man. I mean, I think they're set up at, really at his, well either way. Okay, but so young players, young players don't win, right? Young teams don't win. Markel Fultz is going to be really good, but in five years, and yeah. in five years, Isaiah Thomas will not be. And right, so but that's there's no, the calculus, right? That and that makes sense. But there's no reason to to jump the gun right now when you have overlapping pieces. You don't necessarily have to move away from Isaiah Thomas because, as you said, in five years, Isaiah Thomas will not be as good, and Markel Fultz projects to be that good. So you have one going out, but you have another one coming in. It's just a ter- in terms of stability and longevity of the of a playoff run, man. I think it's they're probably look at that too, you know what I mean? As a as a uh as a fan of a team with two untradeable contracts, uh if Isaiah Thomas <laughs> falls off at all, 
uh, that becomes an untradeable contract, so you are locked in. That's my point. That's that, fair. That, yeah, that's yeah, true. That, that's sort of where I'm coming from, where if somebody really, really wants Isaiah right now and is willing to pay a fair price, like it might not even be a, a great, great deal, but at least a fair price, um, I, I think, I mean, this is just, this is like advice. I don't think it's going to happen or anything like that, but I, I, I would actually advise that. Oh, that's fair. I mean, I, I think honestly, because it's Ainge, he'll be open to trading anything. You know what I mean? He'll yeah. be, he'll be. And open by the way, the, the truth is, is you have to be that calculating as an executive, especially as the league is getting smarter and general managers around the league are getting smarter. Yeah. Look how cold and calculated he was with Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, and then later Rajon Rondo, and he's won overwhelmingly won those two deals. So you 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 have to kind of think like that. It has to be the organization first. For and sure. uh, I think I think Ainge has done a good job of that. For sure. Speaking of uh, GMs getting smarter, uh, let me just say, as a Sixers fan, I am so happy that that pick swap conveyed. <laughs> made me. I don't even care anything else that happened in the draft. They could have they could have stayed at five as long as they got the Kings pick. That yeah, poor Kings. Was, I know the poor Kings. Uh, tell me what you think about the Sixers landing at three. How do you feel about it? Uh, I think I'm. I, I continue to be very uh, interested in in. You know everything that they're doing. Um, I, I really, I still like Brett Brown a lot. Um, yeah, I, love I Brett think Brown. that, I think that uh, a player like Jalil Okafor, um, I would, I would, I don't care about the return. I just want him off my team. Uh, I, I look at him like, yeah, uh, the, the same way I look at Dwight Howard in terms of uh, forget their what they do on the court. It just seems off the court that they're not uh, the right pieces to build around Actually, unless you have. I'm yeah. going to disagree with you there. From everything that Jaleel Okafor has done off the court, from the way he's handled himself outside of that first year, the way he's been a, a consummate teammate, like consummate pro as a teammate, he has not complained at all. He's done nothing but, and everyone, on, uh, all the guys really like him as far as I understand. That's good. It's, That's good. It, he's a, I, from what I understand, he's a high quality kid. He's a good guy. Uh, oh, that's, he's just that's not good, good as bas- he's not good on this team. It's not even that he's not a good basketball player. He still has a really high ceiling with his offensive potential. But his defense is such a negative and his fit on this team is so profoundly bad. I totally agree. They need to move him. I don't think they'll start the season with him on this roster. And the problem is though, uh what's the market for um a re- a good Maybe not great, but a good offensive player and terrible defensive center. As we saw uh, at the trade deadline, there is no market for it. They gave up the right. way better asset in Ernland's duel just to get a second round pick, to two second right. round picks. Yeah, yep. There's no so market for it. But no, I, I overall from from uh, just about the Sixers, I, I think that uh, you know, obviously we just we just hope that we can get, you know, 60 games of Joel Embiid, you know, rest him on all back-to-backs and stuff like that. And then hopefully we get Bill, uh, Ben Simmons all year um, and and the number three pick. And, you know, I can really see a, a lot of momentum. And they already had momentum this season, but I can see a lot of momentum generating. Yeah, as a Sixers fan, I'm super excited for next season. Let me ask yeah, you this. Sure. I, don't, yeah. I don't think I've ever asked you this, but as a Lakers fan, how do you feel about the Sixers franchise? Do you care at all? Um, well, I, I mean, I care, but as an NBA fan, I like the, I, I'm very interested in what they've done. Uh, I mean, I, I, I fully endorsed, uh, the process as, as a concept. I, I thought the execution was the problem. And I think that, uh, just the way they handled the public side of it was the reason why it ended the way it did. Um, uh, but as a team building, um, way uh attempt uh, i find it you know, i still find it very fascinating and the fruits of it is still you know still ongoing for sure but i mean do you how do you feel about the sixers franchise as a Lakers fan? does i mean do you, do you feel any sort of like hate towards them from past no, rivalries no, or does it not no. even because i know for me or any sixers fan we hate the lakers we hate the lakers and mostly because of 2001 because none of us were really i wasn't I wasn't old enough to really pay attention in 1982 when they won their last championship, and I don't remember the rivalry there. Um, I mean, uh, take take this with the uh, pettiness uh, of which it's intended. Go for it. Uh, you may think about us, but we don't think about you. I know, and that's what kills me. <laughs> <laughs> but listen, you guys would have had a perfect – you would have had the only perfect postseason in NBA history, if not for Allen Iverson and the Sixers in 2001. It's, and it was, it's, it's, it's perfect that the one loss they had was so memorable because of the Ty Lue step over thing. Oh, you know, it's, it's, it's like, 
you know, so it it is it, it is so memorable. Um, but yeah, it maybe maybe the Warriors go sixteen and zero. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. see. Good luck to them. Anyway, buddy, thank you so much again for coming on. Plug your stuff one more time, and we'll get out of here. Yes, uh, just follow me on Twitter at Daman R D A M A N R. And cool. you will find all my stuff there. I really appreciate it, Joe. Yeah, super, man. Thanks, Dominic, again for coming on. And I'll talk to you again soon. Probably, I don't know, maybe around uh, draft time or something just after. We should talk about what the Lakers and Sixers did. Sounds good. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. Have a good all night. Right. Anyway, it's going to do it for me. I'll talk to you guys next week. Peace.